Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. I am grateful for the opportunity to be able to continue to connect with our people uh, via Internet despite our inability to um, assemble together and um, fellowship together here on the church campus. And I want to thank uh, those in our church who are continuing to work to make these uh, broadcasts necessary. I want to read to you from uh, the 46th Psalm, where the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be moved, And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I pray that each and every one of us will take to heart the words of this psalm, not only today, but each and every day that we continue uh, in dealing with uh, this epidemic. I've been asked a number of questions this past week about uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Some have asked if COVID-19 is God's judgment upon the world for our sinful behavior and our self-centered attitudes. Well, whether or not God has sent this virus as a judgment for sin, one thing is certain— And that is, he has allowed it to exist and to have a profound effect upon all of us. Others have asked if this pandemic could be one of the seal, trumpet, or bowl judgments of the apocalypse. I don't believe that to be true. For one, the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments take place in the seven-year tribulation period, which hasn't happened yet. And second, those judgments are sent by God to hurt only those who have rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But the coronavirus has affected a lot of people, some of whom are Christians, 
and a few who have died are Christian. So no, I don't believe the current pandemic is a seal, a trumpet, or a bowl judgment of God. I appreciate the questions and the concerns uh, that people have and those that have been expressed to me because it tells me that we're seriously thinking about our current situation and how it relates to God and to his plan for us. We should be asking such questions. We should be mulling these things over in our mind and in our heart. We should not be asking why this is happening, but what we should be doing while this is happening, and what we can learn from the current crisis that we're in. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. In the latter part of that chapter, Ahab became king of the northern ten tribes of Israel. He was an evil man married to an even more wicked woman, Jezebel. In fact, scripture says that Ahab did more to stir up the wrath of God than any king before him. So God sent the prophet Elijah to confront the king. He announced that God would cause a drought in Israel as a punishment for Ahab's sin. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 16 and 17 and chapter 28 verses 15 to 24, we read that God will often use a drought as one of his many judgments to punish people for their sin. And so this is another example of God using a natural phenomenon to carry out a punishment for people's behavior. After announcing his judgment upon Israel, God sent Elijah to the brook Kirith, a tributary which flows into the Jordan River. There, Elijah had water to drink, and was fed bread and meat twice a day for many days by ravens, by birds. But after a while, the brook Kerith dried up because of the drought. So the Lord sent Elijah to the town of Zarephath, to the home of a widow and her son. There Elijah was taken care of until the drought ended. I want you to follow along in your Bible as I read from 1 Kings 17, verses 18 to 24. Verses 8 to 24, excuse me. 1 Kings 17, verses 8 to 24. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that is to Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, 
He called to her and said, Please, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, and only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. He died. So she said to Elijah, What have I done with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms, carried him into the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge? By killing her son? And he stretched out himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. This is the word of God. May bless the reading of his word. From the text, I want to draw four truths that we can think about as we continue to work through the crisis or not only the coronavirus crisis uh, that we're now engaged in, but any crisis that we face in life. First of all, I want to point out that droughts are natural occurrences, as are viruses and infections and diseases. They result from conditions that we set in motion by our activities. Ultimately, they exist as a result of God's judgment upon sin that began all the way back in the Garden of Eden. But God can take what is common and use it in an uncommon and in a powerful way to accomplish his specific purposes. You see, the drought in the days of Elijah was a natural phenomenon that God used specifically to punish his people 
for sin. But he also used it as an opportunity for Elijah to demonstrate God's grace and mercy and compassion upon people who were being affected by the drought. Now we may be restricted to quarters or limited by social distancing because of the COVID-19 epidemic. But we can and we should reach out to people by telephone and by email and text and Facebook and Twitter and on and on and on. We should reach out to people and pray for them and encourage them, comfort them, and lead them to trust in Jesus Christ during this crisis. This is a great opportunity for us to practice what Luke wrote in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, where we read, and they continued, that is, the disciples of God, the disciples of Christ, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together. And even though we may not be able to do that at the present time, we can do some of these other things. They had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as any had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We may not be able to join together here at the sanctuary at the corner of Myrtle and McConnell. We may not be able to go out and into each other's homes in larger numbers for fellowship, but we can reach out to each other and pray with each other and encourage one another and support each other as their needs are being made known to us. Second, I would have you note that the righteous suffer along with the wicked. Elijah and others who were faithful to the Lord suffered through the drought along with everyone else in the land. Throughout Bible history, God's righteous remnant suffered alongside the idolater, the sinner, and those who rejected God in their lives. But God provides, and God even protects his people in the midst of their troubles. It was true with Noah and his family in the days of the great flood. It was true of Israel in Egypt in their captivity. It was true of Joseph and his family during the great famine. It was true of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were exiled in Babylon. God takes care of his own people, though they suffer alongside the wicked. Third, God's provisions can and often come to us in strange and unexpected ways. Israel was fed with manna from heaven and water from rocks and quail brought in by the wind as they 
ventured through the Sinai Desert for 38 years. 5,000 plus people were fed from five loaves of bread and from two fish that Jesus blessed and distributed to them. Elijah was fed bread and meat from ravens that God had sent to Kirith. He and this woman and her son were fed from a little bit of oil and a handful of flour for the duration of the drought, which was some three years plus. God takes care of his people and provides for them, often in ways that we do not expect. I remember the time when Nancy and I were in college not a thousand years ago or a million miles away. And while in college, I worked a full-time job. I also took a full-time study load. And I also ministered in a church as an associate pastor that was about 60 miles away well, maybe not 60, 40 miles away from the college campus. Now, as I said, I studied a full 15 units per semester. I worked uh, after school was over from 2 o'clock in the afternoon to 11 o'clock in the evening. When I got home, I studied for classes uh, that were going to take place the next day. And that would usually take me till about 2 or 3 o'clock the next morning. Well, after three years of this, I found myself in the hospital with what the doctor called an acute coronary insufficiency brought on by stress. And he told me that I was going to have to give up some of the activities uh, in my life if I was going to survive uh, the stress load. And so he said, you have the option of giving up the church which I wasn't about to do, or I have the opportunity of giving up the, uh, the study load that I was under, which I wasn't going to do because I was now a senior and I was on the verge of graduating, so that didn't seem like an option that was really uh, viable for me. Or, he said, you're going to have to give up your job. And I didn't know what to do. And so we prayed about it, we thought about it, and we talked about it. And word came to us after a while from uh, one of the deacons in the church where Nancy and I attended. And he told us, he said, don't worry about uh, providing for your family for the rest of your senior year. We have people who are going to support you uh, throughout the rest of your uh, senior year. They will provide... uh, money for you to spend. They will pay your uh, tuition and fees and your books. Uh, They will pay your traveling expenses, anything and everything that you need. There are people who've said that they will support you in your final year of school. We didn't expect that. We didn't anticipate it. But God provided for it. And he did so in a surprising manner, in an unexpected manner. And we thank God for that. You see, Jesus told us in Matthew 6, verses 25 and following, 
He said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Jesus is telling us, no matter what the situation, no matter what the concern, no matter what the crisis, no matter what it is that we're facing, we are to trust in him. God will provide, and his track record is 100%. God has always provided for the needs of his people as they face crisis in their lives. Fourth, attitude is everything. Many years ago... Wes Ruth preached a sermon entitled, Attitude Determines Altitude. Attitude Determines Altitude. Wes was a pilot at Castle Air Force Base. He was also a deacon and a Sunday school teacher here in our church. And the thesis of his sermon was taken from the physics of flying. You see, when flying a jet plane, if you position the nose of the plane up and you add thrust, you'll gain altitude. You'll fly higher. But if you position the nose of the plane down, regardless of how much or how little thrust you use, the plane will lose altitude. When applied to Christian life and service, our attitude determines the effectiveness of our faith and service. I want you to note the attitude of the woman uh, of Zarephath, the widow of Zarephath, in verses 11 and 12. As she was going to get what the prophet uh, asked her to get, she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. Now that's the truth. She was telling him the truth. But note her attitude. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it. And die. No hope 
of surviving the crisis. No faith that God would provide for her or her son. No prospects of any future whatsoever but to starve to death. Negative attitude. But notice now the attitude of the prophet Elijah in verses 13 and 14. Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Elijah had every confidence that he would survive the crisis. His faith in God assured him of the necessary provisions to sustain him and the widow and her son. He knew that he would continue to serve the Lord beyond the drought, and in doing so would bring honor and glory to the Lord. Now, whatever crisis you may face, faith in God is absolutely necessary if you're going to enjoy his protection, his provision, and his power to endure the crisis. But our attitude will affect the effectiveness of our faith during the time of crisis. A negative attitude is a wet blanket on faith. But a hopeful attitude will fuel our faith. God can do greater things in and through us if our faith is complemented with a Tigger attitude than with an Eeyore attitude. Finally, we must expect our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be tested. That's what James The apostle tells us in James chapter 1. He states, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Something that we haven't been seeing during this COVID-19 pandemic. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. In the midst of the drought... The Lord provided for the widow, her son, and for the prophet Elijah. But he also provided for many other individuals not mentioned in the scripture. Now that should have been enough to have convinced the widow that God is a gracious and merciful God. But in the midst of this crisis, another crisis arose. In verse 17... The Bible tells us that the widow's son fell seriously ill and died. Verse 18 tells us that she confessed her sinfulness to the prophet and believed her sin 
was what caused the boy's death. But the man of faith understood that what little faith the woman had had to be strengthened into great faith. So rather than rebuke the woman, he turned the matter over to the Lord who raised her son back to life. Verses 19 to 23. Now, in every crisis that we face, there will be an outcome that may or may not be the desired outcome that we would want. Several people of faith have contracted coronavirus. A number of them have died. Not every cancer victim survives the disease. Not every person who suffers a stroke will live. And those who do live may never regain the abilities that they once had. But that's not the point that I want to make, and that's not the point that the text gives to us here. The point is, how we deal with the crisis reveals the measure of faith that we have in Jesus Christ. How we deal with a crisis, whatever the crisis may be, how we deal with the crisis reveals the measure of faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Elijah demonstrated great faith in the Lord and allowed the Lord to use his faith to bless others who were facing their own trials and tribulations. As a result, people were blessed and God was glorified. The concluding remark of the widow in verse 24 demonstrates the results of a faith-tested and proven. She said, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. So in closing, whatever crisis we face, whether it's the current coronavirus pandemic, the illness or the death of a loved one, the diagnosis of a cancer or some other horrific disease, life-threatening disease, whether it's the effects of a stroke or the onset of Alzheimer's or any one of a number of diseases or disabilities, God is our refuge, the psalmist says. The word refuge means a place of safety, of security, and of trust. God is our place of safety. He is our strength, our source of power and of confidence. He is a very present help. He is our assistance. He is our support in times of trouble, in times of trial, in times of crisis, in the midst of great distresses that come upon us. Therefore, the psalmist says, we will not fear. We will not be shaken. We will not be afraid. And we will not waver in our faith. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this wonderful story in the life of Elijah, 
A story, Lord, that gives us courage and faith and hope to endure whatever crisis we face in life. And I do pray for my brothers and sisters, not only here at First Baptist Church, but all across the country and all across the world, brothers and sisters who are being affected by disease, by drought, by famine, Uh, by uh, any one of a number of calamities that come as a result of their life here on this planet. Bless them with courage. Bless them with faith that they may trust in you. Bless them, Lord, with patience to endure the time, looking to you and leaning upon you for the assistance, uh, for, for everything that they need, the support to endure the time of trial. And Father, I pray that uh, very, very shortly the pandemic will ease up, Lord God, and there will be uh, a solution to the crisis that we face and that we will be able to join together again in fellowship, in worship, and in ministry. Uh, But until that time, remind us each and every moment of each and every day that you hold us in the palm of your hand. And that you, Lord, uh, know our need and you will supply our need according to your great resources and glory. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on Him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to Him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.